Hey there, it's Pete Mundo. Thanks for checking out this week's radio show. Flipped it into a podcast, as we do each and every week. And if you could, please leave us a rating, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. It, it helps us out a lot. And if you do it, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Just email me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, let's get it rolling. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. It's always great to have you on board for another week of shows, inching closer towards Big 12 media days. Well, let's get to an interesting piece that uh, Chuck Carlton had in the Dallas Morning News last week, and it was about something we've discussed on the show, the growth that the Big 12 has had, the success that the Big 12 has had in recent years. You know, the conference was almost extinct, right? Whatever that was, now almost 10 years ago. Instead, the conference finds itself in a situation where there's a lot to like. The money's good, especially when you factor in the Tier 3 rights. Uh, Everybody's getting along. Things and and times are good. So there were a few interesting quotes in the Chuck Carlton piece that I want to cite and get to here. There were three topics that that he discussed and addressed when it comes to the differences in the Big 12 from almost 10 years ago to today. He points out the Big 12 aired its differences. Now, what he refers to, of course, is uh, Dan Beebe, who was a disaster as the commissioner of the conference. Uh, Oklahoma president David Bourne said a lot of things that put the conference on edge. That was all true. David Bourne, I like OU. I covered OU when I lived in Oklahoma. Uh, David Bourne did a good job as president. But, man, that guy, he loved using his leverage as the OU president to just, you know, tweak people. A little Trumpian in that way. And that's not a political statement either way. But I'm just saying from a standpoint of making people, uh, keeping them on their toes, keeping them on edge, Boren did that while he was at OU. He's gone. All right? He's gone. Now you have a situation where the people that are involved generally like each other or don't really know each other. You know, times are different. Bob Bowlesby said in this article, he said, quote, I think it's evolved. People, meaning presidents, ADs, coaches, never disliked each other. They just had honest disagreements as to how things ought to fit together. We had a lot of challenging issues. End quote from Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner. Well, that's not true. It's not true. Texas A&M didn't like being in the conference. Texas A&M did not like Texas. They were sick of being in Texas's shadow. They somehow blamed being in Texas's shadow as a reason for their lack of success, even though they were just running from their own problems. That has not changed in the SEC. And guess what? Nothing's changed for Texas A&M. They are still a middle-of-the-road team in a conference. That's it. Had a good year under Johnny Manziel, and then it was back to normal. But there were teams in the Big 12 that did not like other teams in the Big 12. You know, Nebraska. I know for Nebraska it was more about being in the Big 10, the stature that apparently came with being in the Big 10. But I'm sure there was a little chip on the shoulder there as well. They wanted to stick it to the Big 12. Now, I think Nebraska made a massive mistake. Now, money-wise, they may say they didn't. But if you truly were to ask the Nebraska fan, 
do you want to go back to playing Oklahoma? Do you want to go back to playing K-State? Do you want to go back to playing Texas? I think they'd say yes. Deep down, get them drunk, have a good time. I think Nebraska fans would say yes. Sitting in the Big Ten West, playing Minnesota? Does that get you jacked up if you're a Nebraska fan? I don't think it does. That's just me. I don't think it does. So here's the deal. There were Big 12 characters that did not like each other, that wanted to see the Big 12 fail, that wanted out. So I disagree with Bowlesby. Now, I know he's kind of giving you the politician's answer there when he said, well, people didn't dislike each other. They just had disagreements. Uh, there was some dislike there. There there was. All right? You've also got a conference that adds back the conference championship game. Best decision the Big 12 could have made. I know there was the fear-mongering guys and gals out there saying, oh, you know, you got to get a team there. They're going to be undefeated or have one loss, good chance at the playoff, and then away they go. This past year, man, if OU doesn't have that Big 12 championship game, that second win over Texas, could have changed a lot, you know? And doing the top two teams was so smart, and there was so much foresight there. Instead of doing what all the other conferences do, where you have, you know, uh, a Clemson playing a 500 team in conference play. You've got, you know, a Big Ten East powerhouse in Ohio State beating up a mediocre Big Ten West team. Usually similar in the SEC, Alabama against somebody from the East, although Georgia, to its credit, has been really good the last couple of years. But it was so smart to go one and two. So smart for the Big 12. It's helped out a lot. The turnover in the Big 12 is obviously a big part of the conversation as well. And if you look at it right now, near the breakup of the Big 10, or excuse me, breakup of the Big 12 in 2010, the only president remaining, Oklahoma State, Burns Hargis, remains from the group. And only Hargis and TCU Chancellor Victor Borshiny, excuse me if I messed up uh, Victor's name there, are the only two holdovers from when uh, Bowlesby was hired in 2012. So, you know, it is tough to hold grudges. When it's a bunch of new faces, no one uh, really knows each other, and nobody has any reason to dislike each other, you know? It's hard to dislike somebody that just walked off the street. And that's where the Big 12 kind of finds itself right now. And I think the new faces appreciate being there, TCU, West Virginia. They know, you know, it could be us in the AAC. Instead, we're cleaning up, making almost $40 bucks a year being in the Big 12. And Gordon G. for the West Virginia Mountaineers, he's the uh, president there, well-respected, used to be at Vanderbilt. Uh, he is a guy who uh, is a team player. He gets it. He is widely respected in his business, in that line of work, and he continues to be somebody who is uh, pushing the Big 12 brand as a whole, not picking and choosing sides and doing the whole petty nonsense that was going on for the Big 12 all those years. And you can't deny the money's a factor here, right? Money doesn't solve your problems, but let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't hurt. You know, it does not hurt. And it helps your problems. You have less problems when you have more money, okay? And that's where the Big 12 finds itself right now. When you're distributing $38.8 million per year now to your teams – Everybody's got a lot of reasons to be happy. They've got 38.8 million reasons to be happy, to be exact. And that's where, you know, outside of OU and Texas, who could go somewhere else and get that money, the rest of those Big 12 schools, 
could not get that money on their own. Now, you can say that for many conferences. The Blue Bloods run the show. The Blue Bloods call the shots. The Blue Bloods are the reason these conferences and these teams are all making as much money as they are. Baylor's got a nice program, and it's not I'm not picking on Baylor. You can say this about Texas Tech. You can say it about uh, K-State, K, uh, KU basketball maybe. They might hang on their own. But most of the programs of the Big 12 are not going to generate that type of revenue unless they're part of a tag team with an OU and a Texas in the Big 12's case. But you can go around the country and make this case for any other team as well uh, in the conference when it comes to the Blue Bloods being in charge. And now when you're making that kind of money in this conference, times are good. And also, you're heading into uncertain times. So having the stability is key. You know, four, five years from now, these deals are going to be all renegotiated on the TV side. And they're going to be renegotiated to the point where who knows what ESPN is dealing with. ESPN is losing money and subscribers every day. It's been well noted and talked about a lot that they are losing subscribers every day. That means they're losing money every day. What's going to happen in five years? Is Amazon going to get in the mix? Is Netflix going to get in the mix? Or is it still going to be the traditional ESPN, CBS, Fox? I have no idea. Five years is an eternity in technology land. And having a group of teams, having a conference that's on the same page, that's getting along, that's making money, nobody wants to risk that. Nobody wants to blow that up. And that would be the smartest thing for all involved. And it would be smart, too, for Texas and OU to just stay put and enjoy what you've got. You have a conference that, in many ways, you run the show on. Not a knock on the other eight teams. It's just reality, man. you got a conference that you run the show on. You go to the SEC if you're OU or Texas, or you go to the Big Ten. Then you've got Ohio State at the table. you got Michigan at the table, Alabama, Florida. And you're the new kid on the block. It's not always, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Old cliche, but guess what? It's got a lot of truth to it. So the Big 12 has a lot of reasons to be happy. It was a good piece by uh, by Chuck Carlton of the Dallas Morning News. Check it out if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, I wanted to opine on that here for a few minutes to start things off because it, it really does tell the story well about where this conference was, where it is, and how things continue to improve over the next few years before the next TV negotiation takes place, which, you know, it'll be here before we know it. Let's just put it that way. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. We have new message boards. Please do go check them out. They're free. Sign up, free message boards. A lot to like about what's going on there. Well, coming up, uh, we talked a little bit about Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Guess what? Guess what? He made some pretty strong statements about the NCAA transfer portal. We'll get to that next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So what do you think of this NCAA transfer portal? Does it make any sense, or are you kind of over the whole thing? Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's great to have you on board, being a part of the show. Appreciate that, and appreciate you. 
Well, let's let's dive right into it here. Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, said something that usually he doesn't say. Bob Bowlesby, you know, we like to have fun with the guy. He's not overly controversial. He's not someone that's kind of trying to, uh, you know, cause a stink, so to speak, or make any headlines. But he finally made some headlines this week. Great job there, Bob. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, he's not Mike Slive of the SEC, formerly of the SEC, but that's okay. I'm a big Bowlesby guy. I think he's doing a really good job for the conference. But Bob Bowlesby came out uh, this week, and he made these comments as he was visiting, as part of a uh, commissioner's panel, actually, he was he was part of. And, and Bowlesby said that basically kids should have to sit out a year if they transfer. Everybody sits out a year. And he, here's the thing. I completely agree. I could not agree more with Bob Bowlesby. And here's why. Because the transfer portal is giving preferential treatment to people who can afford it or to people who have big name ID, name recognition. It's a joke. It's it's like, you know, I'm I'm actually I would be fine if you just opened up the transfer process as well. But instead what the NCAA transfer portal has done is it has allowed the NCAA to pick winners and losers based on who's got the right connection. And that is a problem. There is no other way to spin it. This is worse than just letting it be a free-for-all and letting people transfer whenever they please, wherever they please. That would be better than this horrible process that we have right now, where Justin Fields goes from Georgia to Ohio State, and he's eligible right away because of you know some clause that he had to leave for emotional reasons because someone may have you know said a racial slur to the guy when he was at Georgia. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I have no idea. All I know is that if Justin Fields was going to be the starting quarterback at Georgia this fall and there was no Jake Fromm, he would not have left Georgia. 99% shot. He would not have left Georgia. How the hell is Tate Martell going from Ohio State to Miami? How the hell is Tate Martell eligible immediately? Somebody explain that to me. What was his emotional reason for leaving Ohio State? You know, what, what was what was his gripe with Ohio State? Uh, Urban Meyer left? Retired? Got Ryan Day? Or is it because you're not the starting quarterback and you probably weren't going to be the starting quarterback and you wanted an easier road to play, which is okay. But either open the process to everybody or make it so everybody sits out a year. Or make it so everybody sits out a year unless you're in a situation like Austin Kendall where you're a graduate transfer. Austin Kendall... State at OU, he sat through three transfers. Mayfield, I sat through Murray, and he was like, you know what, I'm not sitting through Jalen Hurts. I want to play. I don't blame him. He waited his turn. His turn didn't come. He got his degree, and he's moving on. I respect Austin Kendall, and I have no problems with what he did. But this transfer portal has become a joke. And only the NCAA can take a process that was already kind of screwy and make it worse. It's in many ways what the NCAA does best. Hey, you know what? We got this system. It's not that good. All right, we're going to fix it. Oh, you made it worse? Well done, NCAA. That's what you guys do. And then you have examples like Brew McCoy, who we've talked about here recently. He goes USC on his commitment, transfers to Texas like a couple weeks later when Cliff Kingsbury leaves. Then he goes apparently back to USC is what's been reported or being reported. So it's like this is this is comical. 
I'm all about player mobility and player empowerment and player flexibility. But, man, sometimes it feels like we're, we're losing our minds. And the NCAA knows exactly how to make things worse. <laughs> they do that really, really well. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Great to have you on board. Yes, it's the dog days of summer, but you know what? We're keeping it moving. We're talking about uh, a lot of the things you want to discuss here on the show. So I, every week, and I talk about it sometimes as we're moving along here throughout our weekly uh, Big 12 program, some of the mentions that Derek Duke gets in his Heartland College Sports Big 12 football mailbag that he does on a daily basis. And I, I thought this was a really interesting question that he got, and it was about whether or not the Big 12 has some of the best athletic directors in the entire country. And this question was specific to Kirby Hoka, uh at Texas Tech, Chris Del Conte now at Texas, and Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma. And uh, think about that for a second. It's true. It's a hell of a point. You know what? And And you can argue right now that – Baylor AD, Mac Rhodes could be right. I mean, the, the ADs that the Big 12 has are really impressive. I, I, you know, I just keep going up and down the list, and I'm saying to myself, you know, this this guy's sharp, this guy's sharp. There's no one who you're like, this guy's a colossal failure. Even the new guy at TCU, Jeremiah, um, is it Donati? Donati? I, I don't know. I, but, he, I, you know, I see what he's doing. He was the assistant. He's now the AD there. And guys that have been at Oklahoma State forever. Why am I forgetting his name now? Uh, I'm blanking. Help me out, somebody, somebody, somebody. Holder, Mike Holder. He's on top of it, too. So all these guys either have success, have come from successful trees. Uh, Del Conte's as good as it gets. TCU to Texas now. Um, You know, Hoka has done a great job. And if he nails his football hire with Matt Wells between what he's done with Chris Beard um, on the baseball side of things and, and everything else, my goodness gracious, he's going to be going to have statues of Kirby Hocutt all over Lubbock, Texas in a couple of years if he nails the football hire. Um, Jeff Long, you know, coming into Kansas, making a big splash with Les Miles. All these guys, really impressive list. And I think the Big 12 has a lot to be proud of when you think about the athletic directors that are uh, on scene there. You know, Gene Taylor, all right, let's see what he does when it comes to raising money building out the new facilities at K-State. Did he do a good job with the Chris Kleiman hire? Most people think he did. I think he did as well. But you know what? Proof's going to be what happens on the field. So a lot of reasons to be happy about uh, about where this conference is from a leadership standpoint, including the athletic director's role. And if Shane Lyons, if Neil Brown is everything people believe he is, then Shane Lyons is going to be in good position as well at uh, at West Virginia. So I thought that was a, a good point. The Big 12 may have three of the top five ADs in America, especially with Hocutt, Del Conte, and Castiglione. I, I, I like that a lot. Here's an interesting question for you. Matt Campbell is 19-19 and 19 at Iowa State. So he's got 19 wins. The record for Iowa State's uh, football coaching victories is 56 by a single head coach by Dan McCarney, 95-06. Does Matt Campbell break that record? I think he does. If Matt Campbell averages, and I'm being you know, cautious here, if he averages seven wins a year to get to 56, 
he'd have to hang around five more seasons-ish, a little longer, but about five more seasons to break that number, to get more than 56 wins. He could do that. And guess what? Barring some unforeseen circumstances where Ryan Day bombs out at Ohio State, Matt Campbell's winning 9-10 games a year, that's the only job I see him leaving for. I, I just... <laughs> I think that Matt Campbell, based on what he has done, signing new contracts, staying true to his word, no drama, no BS, just put his nose to the grindstone, grind it out, want to win games, wants to improve that program, buys into what Ames, Iowa is selling. You know, the guy's 39 years old. He can be 45 and still have, you know, plenty of time to make whatever that next move is, if that move even comes. Do I think Matt Campbell is the next Bill Snyder? I don't. But I firmly believe and feel confident that he is giving this program another few years at least, barring something unforeseen. Like Notre Dame comes after him. Although even that, I'm not sure right now. And Brian Kelly's got the team in a good place. So, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State, maybe that's the short list. Neither appear to be close to being open. So I do. I think Matt Campbell breaks that record of 56 wins and don't forget Dan McCarney had 56 wins but he had 85 losses (laughs) all right if Campbell gets there it's not going to be with 85 losses I'll tell you that right now no way no how Pete Mundo Heartland College Sports Weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com it's great to have you on board being a part of the show always appreciate that and appreciate you don't forget the free message boards go sign up for them at heartlandcollegesports.com well we wrap up the show next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly Well, and I would be uh, remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to the Texas Tech Red Raiders baseball program. How about those guys? Congratulations, making the College World Series once again. Uh, Kudos to Tim Tadlock and his team there in Lubbock. So I'm not a huge baseball guy, and I know it's more of a niche uh, sport, but I do want to give him a shout-out. So we'll be keeping tabs on them, of course. And uh, our guy Cameron Brock, he does a great job covering Big 12 baseball for us. So if you're a Big 12 baseball fan, we do have content up on the site. Not as much as football or basketball, but we do have some baseball content up on the site, which you can find at heartlandcollegesports.com. And it's uh, well-deserved. You know, it was a heck of a series against Oklahoma State. Somebody had to lose. It's too bad that, you know, both Big 12 teams could not go, but such is life. So the Red Raiders going back to the College World Series after winning game one, losing game two, and then Winning that rubber match 8-6 to six, and heading off to Omaha uh, for the College World Series. All right, a couple of news and notes uh, that we want to touch on here as we wrap up the show on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. We are your Big 12 digital independent uh, media outlet. Appreciate you joining us. Texas receiver Alvante Woodard suffered a broken foot uh, in the past week during voluntary workouts. He's going to miss some portion of of the 2019 season. Now, he didn't play last year, but he came to Texas as a as a big-time prospect, top 30 wide receiver prospect per 24-7 sports. Um, he was 15th on the Austin American Statement, Statement's Fab 55 list for the 2018 recruiting cycle. So he's a guy who was expected to start, you know, stepping up a little bit, being a part of the rotation. That may happen, but it's not going to happen, at least in the uh, first part of the season. 
The good news for Texas is that it's still one of the stronger position groups on the team, led by returning starters like Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay. Those guys are talented. Yes, little Jordan Humphrey is gone. But, man, Colin Johnson, if that guy can live up to his potential, uh, he has, and no pun intended, he has Calvin Johnson possibilities when you talk about college and the next level and what he could do. I'm not predicting it just yet, but man, there is a lot of similarities. Just physically, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Although Johnson's got, uh, uh, Colin Johnson has Calvin Johnson by an inch. Calvin was 6'5". Colin's 6'6". I mean, if he puts it all together, man, that's the one thing that OU hasn't really had uh, when you think about the Sooners and their wide receivers. Their best wide receivers are have traditionally been, it feels like in recent years at least, smaller guys. Now, maybe C.D. Lamb bucks that trend this year. Uh, that's entirely possible. I mean, C.D. Lamb, he's not a monster, but he's 6'2". But you think about guys like Kenny Stills, and uh, you know, then you go to Marquise Brown, guys like that. They've kind of been the smaller 5'10 slot guys. C.D. Lamb could be that guy. But OU doesn't have that 6'5", six 6'6", foot six foot six stud. I mean, Grant Calcaterra is good. He's big, but he's a tight end. In terms of a wide receiver, Colin Johnson can be the best wide receiver in the Big 12, and he could be one of the, if not the best wide receiver in America if it all does happen to click for him, which we'll find out here uh, soon enough here in the next couple of months. And Big 12 Media Day is just over a month away. We will have the Heartland College Sports crew down there in Dallas-Fort Worth for all that. It's going to be a good time. West Virginia has got itself some problems here. The safety position is struggling. The safety position is now getting bare. West Virginia in the past week had three transfers in a span of 36 hours. Three safeties at West Virginia entered the NCAA transfer portal, that hated transfer portal. Red shirt sophomore Eugene Brown joining fellow defensive backs Kenny Robinson and Derek Pitts. Well, this is concerning. Now, Brown was a guy who committed to West Virginia, part of the 2017 recruiting class. He was a three-star guy, nation's 71st-ranked safety. He redshirted his first year on campus. Uh, and in 2018, last season, he played in 11 of 12 games, mostly on special teams. But this spring, he didn't crack the two deep. So he's like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm moving on. That's it. But you also at West Virginia have now nine scholarship players who have entered the transfer portal and are leaving the program since the end of the season. Add that to offensive lineman Matt Jones, along with offensive lineman Dante Angus. They were the first to go. Since then, wide receivers Dylan Spaulding and Marcus Sims, gone. The defensive backs, Kenny Robinson, Derek Pitts, throw in Jordan Adams, and then defensive lineman Tyrese Allen, also all leaving. That's bad. Now, Jones is going to Youngtown State. Spaulding's going to James Madison. So they have transferred essentially down to the FCS level, maybe thinking, I just want to play. I'm not getting enough uh, run here at an FBS, a Power 5 school. It's time to move on. If that's what's going on, that's okay. Regardless, I would not be overly concerned if I'm a West Virginia fan. Neil Brown, sometimes you got a clean house. Sometimes you don't have your guys that are buying into your program the way they need to buy into your program. 
Dana Olgerson's guys may not be Neil Brown guys. You know, I mean, that's just a reality of life sometimes. So I'm not going to worry about it. If it means a slight setback for this year, which it likely will, that's okay. I mean, losing guys like Kenny Robinson, Derek Pitts, and Marcus Sims, who all likely would have been starters this year, is tough. But I, I do trust that Neil Brown is the right guy and the right hire there in Morgantown. So I'm going to let this thing play out for a couple of years, see how he recruits, see how he coaches, and then I'll make a decision either way on whether or not you know this is going to work. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is our Big 12 website. Please do check it out. We appreciate all of you joining us each and every week, whether it's podcasts, radio, uh, we've got the YouTube going, whatever it might be. It's great to have you on board. And have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place. So always appreciate you guys checking in. And uh, please leave us a rating, review, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play helps us out a ton um, cannot thank you enough for doing that. And in return, I'll send you a free koozie if you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.